So six weeks ago, I said, if you'll press in over the next six weeks, your life will never be the same. If you'll press in, and you say, Dwayne, I've pressed in, and I am fighting hell. I see you. More importantly, God sees you. So I've just got a word for you. Don't quit. Man, you keep pressing in to the presence and power of the Lord. You keep pressing into his word, and life change happens. So today, here's what I'm going to ask of you. I want you to lean in. I know you say that little phrase a lot. Um, to, today's, today's tough. But I want us to leave today with, with this truth. That when we dig into God's word, life change happens. It really does, y'all. And, and, and what we want is we want a... Hmm, what's the right word? We want a, an, an easy transformation. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes transformation is not easy. Sometimes it requires of us. And so we're going to dig in a little bit today. And, and I, just, I just need you to dig in with me. Will you do that? Yeah. What, I, what I hope happens today is, is two things. We're going to talk about how do you and I, as just followers of Christ, how do we interpret the Scripture? And then we're going to practice interpreting the Scripture. Because how many know we learn by doing, right? right. And, and so what I want us to leave here with is a plan. So when you open your Bible on your own, you notice I didn't say if you open your Bible on your own. I said when you open your Bible on your own, you'll have some tools to dig in on your own. All right? So six weeks ago, I told you that we were going to learn to love the Word. We were going to learn to learn the Word. And we were going to learn to live the Word. And... Today is really, um, a, here, here's an old musical term, a crescendo to that. We've, everything we've talked about so far has brought us to today. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, here we go. We must pay the most careful attention. Do, do you notice the, the words there? Not, you know, pay attention. We must pay the most careful careful attention therefore to what we have heard so that we do not drift away the bible for you and for me is our true north now i've told you on many occasions about my addiction to gps it is a true thing please tell me is there anyone else in the room that just uses it all the time thank you there's some yes I, and, and I turned it on the other day. We were going home, and Donna said, why are you turning on? I don't know. Because I want to. I don't know. I, I like it. It tells me what time I'm going to get home. But do, we're at Kroger. Why do you need to know? I don't know. I want to know. I just want to know. All right? But the Bible for us, it's more than just GPS. You know? The Bible's true north. The Bible's what GPS is tuned to. Does that make sense? The Bible is true north. And if you and I, as followers of Christ, don't learn to tune in to what God's Word says, then, then, then we're going to have a difficult time in this life. So I'm going to give you four tools really quickly that when you read the Bible on your own, 
when you read the Bible on your own, these four things. You ready? Number one, observation. That is, what does the Bible say? Okay, more than just reading it, you've got to look as to what it says. Okay, well, it's up there. It's up there. What does it say? Second thing, interpretation. This is what we're going to spend a lot of time on today. What does it mean? And, and let, me just, let me just give you a little, a little clue. The Bible means what it means. The Bible doesn't mean one thing for me and one thing for you. The Bible means what it means. Okay, it, I'm just going to tell you, if, if you don't read the Bible the right way, you can make it say whatever you want it to say. So the Bible means what it means, okay, when we interpret it properly, all right? Number three, correlation. How do other verses explain it, all right? You, you don't read the Bible, um, verses in the Bible in a vacuum. It's one work. It's one book. And if you'll let it, it'll tell you what it means. The greatest Bible commentary on the planet is the Bible. There you go. That was deep, wasn't it? Profound. And lastly, application. What do you do about it? The Bible that isn't applied is useless. If you don't apply it to your life, you know what it is? It's literature. But what, we're, what we've learned and what we're going to continue to learn this week and next week is how do we apply it to our life? So here, write this down. The purpose of the Bible isn't to gain knowledge. All right? The purpose of the Bible is to change our lives. Now, you've heard that this, during this series already, but I'm, I'm going to give you a little twist. In order for it to change your life, you've got to gain some knowledge. You, you know, you can't just lay it on top of your head and gain Bible stuff by osmosis. It, can't, it won't just seep in through your scalp, no matter how thin your hair is. Don't laugh. See, what, what we do is we take biblical information and accurate interpretation, and that brings inspiration. You want the Bible to change your life? You've got to learn it, y'all. And, and, you know, we have this culture, especially in church, where everything is easy. And I'm going to tell you, if you're going to walk this walk, you've got to put some work in it. And you know what? That's not popular today. But you've got to put some work into it. You've got to put some effort into this thing. And that's what we're going to talk about today. See, we, there, the, the idea is that, the, that Bible study is for pastors and teachers and theologians. And then I'll go and sit and listen to what they've studied. That's not how it's supposed to work, y'all. The Bible is for you. Bible study is for you. Don't you dare rely on somebody else to do the work for you. You dig in yourself. What, can I tell you what will cause you to want to study God's Word? It's when you fall in love with Jesus. When you fall in love with Jesus, when you fall in love with God, your love for God will be a catalyst for you wanting to know more about Him. How many of you love to worship God? Why do you want to worship someone you don't know? Because the music's good? Because Scott's wailing on that guitar? 
Is that what caused you to want to worship? What ought to, and he was wailing. Y'all see him this morning? He was getting on. Is that what, is that what it is? Is it because it feels? No. What ought to cause you to worship God is because you've learned who he is. And the way you learn who he is is by opening his book. Oh, it'd be much easier if the pastor could just lay his hands on me and all of a sudden I'm just filled with all the knowledge of God. It, yeah, that's not how it works. So here's what I'm going to do. I, I never do this, but I'm going to do it today. I'm going to read to you 17 verses at one time. And I know I, don't, I never do that, but I'm doing it today. Because here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at a chunk of Scripture, and they're going to look at a problem inside that chunk of Scripture. Is that okay? All right, here we go. John chapter 15, the first 17 verses. So it'll be on the screen behind me, but I'd rather you follow along in your Bible or something that's got the Bible on it. John 15, the first 17 verses. It's a new international version I'm reading from. It's Jesus said these words, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does not bear fruit, he, that does bear fruit, excuse me, he prunes so that it'll be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me, and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Therefore, you can bear, you, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you don't remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master business, master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. There's a lot of meat in those 17 verses. See, we could spend a lot of time. We could talk about what does it mean to remain connected to Jesus we could spend a lot of time talking about that. We could spend a lot of time talking about uh, what does it mean for a Christian to bear fruit. You know, some people say, well, that means that you're creating, you know, that other people are following Jesus because of you. Some people say that that means bearing fruit means I possess the character of Christ. Some people say that bearing fruit means that I 
exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. So what, which one do you think it is? Yes, there we go. All right, so now we know what bearing fruit's all about. But there's, there's a verse that we're going to unpack that I think is very frequently misinterpreted. And it's verse 7. He said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, oh, here we go, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. Wow, that's cool, isn't it? Here's a question. Have you ever asked Jesus for something and didn't get it? How is that, that? That's a problem. That's a problem. But here's what we'll do is we'll pull that one verse out and we'll post it on Facebook. If, you'll do, if you remain in me, my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. You know how you hear Pastor Dwayne say all the time, let's not pull one verse out and live on that one verse. Because I'm going to tell you, it creates problems. So how many of you would like to understand to, how to interpret that passage accurately? Would you like to? Are you sure? Because if you start digging, you gotta, you gotta, you're now accountable for what you find when you start unearthing Scripture. So are you ready? You sure? See, digging into Scripture beyond surface level may not give you the answer you think. What's the purpose of the Bible? To change? Studying Scripture beyond the surface will likely reveal something in me, something in you that God wants to redeem, that God wants to change. A few weeks ago, I read you this passage, 2 Timothy chapter 3. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And I told you those four things, teaching, rebuking, correcting, training. I told you teaching was, this is the path. All right? Rebuking was, you fell off the path, and here it is. God ever rebuked you? How'd that feel, by the way? Great, right? Uh, correcting was, here's how to get back on the path. And, and training was, here's how you stay on the path. If you're going the wrong way, if I'm going the wrong way, what's the most loving thing God can do to show us how to get back on the path? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at what we just read in context. And what that means is we look at what's in front of it and what's behind it. And what, what you may or may not understand is what that, that long passive scripture that I just read you is part of a supper conversation. Chapters 13 in John all the way to 17 happened at what you are commonly known as the Last Supper. That whole discourse from 13 to 17 happened around a supper table. And you can't take... Ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. You can't take it by itself. You've got to take the whole conversation. And see, we're not good at that. We're not good at taking it. We want to we pull out what we like. See, this was not a sermon uh, to a crowd. This was a conversation to those that followed him closely. This wasn't a sermon to the 5,000 that he fed fish and, you know, fish sandwiches too. This was a, 
conversation to a close to to of all the people that follow Jesus this discourse this conversation was to those who followed him the closest see if you read if you read the book of John you're going to see a lot of different characters in this story you're going to see some enemies of Jesus right you're going to see some consumers i'm just here for the fish sandwiches you can see some skeptics. I'm not sure he's who he said he was. You're going to see some bystanders, like, you do you. You're going to see some followers. There was 120 people that followed him almost everywhere he went. And then you're going to see some disciples. Guess who's in the upper room? There were no skeptics there. There were no bystanders there. There were no people who were just following Jesus for what he could do for them. There. See, anytime you, you look closely at, at the observation of Scripture, it starts, it raises questions. Who was at the table? So when you, when you look at that promise, y'all, do you love me? Please remember that. When you start looking at that passage and you, you lean on that promise, Ask whatever you wish, and I'll do it for you. Here's the question. You've got to ask, am I even in the room to hear it? Because that promise was reserved for those that were following him closely. So maybe you could ask the question like this. Do I have a seat at the table? Now, now let me clarify something. Jesus came. And purchase salvation for whosoever will. But you know and I know that the blessings of Christ elevate when you follow Him more closely. They expand exponentially. There's a good word. As you follow Him more closely. See, look, look at chapter 13. You don't have to, don't, don't flip over there. Just, just trust me for here. You study it for yourself later. Jesus washed his disciples' feet. Jesus washed his disciples' feet. <laughs> and here's a cool thing. So Jesus is washing his disciples' feet. feet. Oh, by the way, Judas is still in the room. Not for long, but he's still. Jesus washes his disciples' feet. And Peter said, no, Lord. You know, that's an oxymoron. You can't say no and Lord in the same sentence. So what we learn already, because Jesus gets in his business and said, okay, then get out of here. That's my liberal interpretation, but it, that's basically what he said. If, if I can't wash your feet, you got no business here. Because Peter said no. Anybody ever said no to Jesus? So as you start digging in, you start seeing stuff. Peter said no. <laughs> wow. Here's another question it's going gonna, it's gonna to raise. You see, there were people that followed him for the fish sandwiches. There were people that followed him because they seen him heal the sick. There were people that followed him because they saw all of these miracles that he did. And so people flocked around him because he could do stuff. And that's why they followed him. But there were a few, listen, eyeballs, there were a few that followed him because they were convinced he was God in the flesh. Yeah. So I wonder if, if, 
if that culture is still here. Are we following him because he heals the sick and because he, he helps us pay our bills from time to time? Are we following him because he makes me feel good during worship? Are we following him for what he can do for us? Or are we following him because he is God and Lord? So here's the question that that raises right away. Am I following him for the right reason? Am I following him? Am I following Jesus because he gives me what I want? Am I following Jesus for the... Listen, those that were just following him for a miracle and a meal weren't at the table. So if, if that's why I'm following him, if that's the only reason I'm following him is for a miracle and a meal, you'll leave when the miracle doesn't happen. You know how I know that? Because that's exactly what happened. See, Jesus turned the heat up on them a little bit. And a lot of these guys disappeared. And he, he looked at Peter and he said, I guess you're going to leave too. Listen to his answer. Nope. Where would I go? He said, for I am convinced and am sure that you are that Christ the son of the living God. That's why he was following him. Peter wasn't following him for the fish sandwiches and, and, and the healed limbs. And, and because he raised the dead, he was following him because he was God and Lord. Yes. That's why he was at the table. Chapter 14. See, we're not even at our passage yet, are we? We Chapter 13, we, we just talked about. Let's talk about chapter 14. You don't have to flip over there. I'm just going to give it to you in a little... He, he, he predicts his return. He said, I'm, I know you're freaking out right now because I, I just told you I was leaving. But I'm coming back. And I'm going and I'm, I'm making a place just for you. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you to where I am. And that brought joy and that brought hope. But then he said, but while I'm gone, you keep doing what I've been doing. In fact, I need you to do more. And they were like, what, what, how can we do more? Than? He said, greater works will you do than I've done. So I'm, 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 I'm wondering, have we, have we given our lives to fulfill that commission? To continue the work of Christ to the world because that is who was at the table people who said i will follow you till i die and they did every one of those people at the table died a martyr's death so the first question the next question rather is am i ready for his return have I been busy continuing what he started on the earth? Am I faithful to his command? Oh, by the way, we've been 40 days in the Word. I can't do what he did if I don't know what he did. That's why you open that book every day. Am I willing to give my life for the cause of Christ? Because that's who is at the table. 
If all I'm willing to give him is an hour on Sunday every six weeks, I'm probably not at the table. These men gave their lives for the cause of Christ. You know, that, that truth doesn't sell books. And it doesn't fill cathedrals. But it does happen to be the truth. We are called to lay down His life. Lay down our life for His work. These men all gave their life building God's kingdom. So the next question we got to ask is, whose kingdom am I building? See, John 14 continues. He promises the Comforter that the Holy Spirit will be with them while they're gone. See, He's not asking you to do something and not giving you the power to do it. Your call and my call is to allow the Holy Spirit to live in us in such a way that we continue the work of Christ in this world. And y'all... Have you taken a look around us? I'm, I'm so sick of political ads. Listen, you guys know how I'm going to vote. I'm not going to tell you. You know already. I'm just sick of the commercials. And, and I'm going to tell you what, what this world needs is not somebody else in 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. What this world needs is not another senator, not another congressman, not another governor, not another mayor. All that stuff is well and good. What this world needs is Jesus. And what this world needs are people who have been redeemed by His blood to continue the work of the cross in this world now. That's who's at the table. So now to that group, he says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you might ask what you will and it'll be given to you. See, those guys were, listen, I've asked for some stupid stuff. I'm going to tell you, but you'll judge me. Anybody else ever tried to lose weight? Just raise your hand if you try to lose weight. It's easy, isn't it? And I'm going to tell you something. There, once you get a little older, y'all, it don't get any easier. Can, can I get a, a witness about that, all right? And, and I had gone on this diet and lost a bunch of weight and put it right back on, lost a bunch of weight and put it right back on. Y'all, anybody y'all ever rode that roller coaster? <clears throat> and I was like, I was laying in my bed one night, and I said, Lord, I'm sick of this. I believe I can wake up in the morning and be 180 pounds. And I believed it. I was, I was not. Here, here's what I'm learning. If I've given my life for the cause of Christ, and the Holy Spirit lives within me, what I'm going to ask for isn't stupid stuff. 
What I'm, what I'm going to ask for are things that will help me accomplish his will and purpose in my life. I've prayed for new trucks. You know, I, I tell you one thing. I, told, I, might have, I might have told you this story before. I prayed for a girl when I was in high school, and God said no. You know why he said no? Because he had somebody waiting in the wings. Ooh, and I met her. I forgot that other girl's name. You know, sometimes we pray for things that we've got no business praying for. And, and what I'm trying to, to get you to understand is, is if, we can, if we can have a seat at the table, man, God said, I'll do, I'll do anything to help you fulfill God's will, purpose, and plan in your life. Yeah. Yeah. It's called effective prayer, remaining in Christ. We just read it. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you might ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. Remaining in Christ produces effective prayer. I'll do whatever you ask in my name. Look at this, though. So that the Son may bring glory to the Father. See, remember we talked about correlation? How one verse helps explain another? John 14, chapter 14, verse 13 says, I will do whatever you ask in my name so the Son may bring glory to the Father. See, sometimes we want to ask for things that are going to be glory to us. If you want God to answer your prayer, let's ask to, for things that's going to bring glory to the Father. Answer prayer, write this down, brings glory to God. If you go one more chapter in John chapter 16, he says this, Until you now you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you'll receive and your joy will be complete. Here's what we know, answer prayer brings me real joy. So if God would have answered that first prayer that Dwayne prayed for that other girl, it wouldn't have been real joy because I'd been settling for second best. Aren't you glad for, that God sometimes doesn't answer prayers? Yeah. Sounds like a Garth Brooks song, doesn't it? <laughs> Y'all don't know nothing about Garth Brooks. Mm. Verse 16 says, you didn't choose me. But I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. The same guy that wrote this book pastored a church years later. So if you flip over in your Bible, you'll see 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. Same guy. All right. Here's what he said. We talk about correlation, one scripture, helping explain another. He said, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. This is 1 John 5, 14 and 15. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him when we ask according to his will. So, There'll, there'll be people who will take passages of Scripture and, and pull them out of context and say, God didn't mean that. But oh, He did. We just got to learn how to interpret it accurately. Right? And it requires effort. Can't do it on Facebook. Um, do I talk about Facebook too much? I, I, I love that that we can, you know, share stuff on Facebook. I love that. That's cool. I got 
We got a memory this past week of Matt and Tolly's wedding. They just celebrated a four-year anniversary. I can't believe that. That's crazy. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so I love seeing those things. But listen, if, if your Bible study starts and stops with Facebook, you're missing out. So I'm going to give you one, two, three, four, five, six kind of next steps, okay? And maybe all these may not apply to you, but I bet something of I bet some of them will. The, the first step is you have to answer this question. Am I following Christ closely? And, and please hear, hear my heart at this. Maybe we should ask ourselves this question. If Jesus was assembling the Last Supper today, would I get an invitation to the table? That's heavy, isn't it? Do you remember who? I, I told you who got a seat at the table. It, it wasn't those guys that were following him for the meal and the miracle. It was those guys who were convinced of who he was. Are you convinced that Jesus is the Son of the living God and the promised Messiah? And are you following him as Lord? See, that's... That's what gets you a seat at the table. Are you following him that closely? See, I, I, I've watched you. I've watched so many of you over this past 40 days. You're pressing in, and, and you're, tr you're trying to move a step closer to what God has for you. And, and, and can I tell you, please don't stop. I, I'm going to make a promise to you. You know, sometimes I have this unbelievable realization. And you know, it's heavy. You know, I'm, I'm not an old man. But I know every time I stand here, it could be the last time. And I, what, what do I want them to hear from me? If this were the last time. Listen, you chase Jesus as closely as you can. And your life will be better than you could ever imagine. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to have the house you want and the car you want, but it does mean you'll have joy unspeakable and full of glory. It does mean that you'll find joy in His presence. I, I just want you to know that if you'll follow Him closely, He'll reveal your purpose, plan, and, and, and His will for your life. If you'll follow Him closely, if you'll dive your face into that book, you'll be amazed at how you're all in it. You're not the star of the story, but He talks about you. Follow him closely. Second question is, am, am I looking forward to his return? Now, that doesn't mean that you've hidden away in some closet. Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. I'm sick of this place. What looking forward to his return means that he could come back tomorrow and I'm going to continue the work of Christ on this earth until he shows up. Doesn't mean you're hiding away means you're building His kingdom. The third question you're going to ask is, am I bearing fruit? <laughs> so if, if Jesus is the vine, and, and we're connected to that vine, and Jesus gave fruit to disciples, what are we going to give fruit? What, what's our fruit? Other disciples. I've said this so many times, but I want you to get this. There ought to be at least two people in your life. There ought to be somebody in your life that you're holding on to that's a little further down the road than you are. 
that will help mature you and help you grow in your walk with the Lord. And you ought to be holding on to somebody else's hand that might not be quite as far down the road as you are. Helping them. Speaking words of life to them. Who, who is that for you? And if you don't have somebody that you're, that you're encouraging in their walk with Christ, that you're discipling, oh, start today. Think about the people that have encouraged you. Think about the people in your life that have helped you in your walk with the Lord. And then do the same thing for somebody else. A lot of the passages that we read challenged how we love each other. So here's a great question. Do I genuinely love others? Does my life reflect the love of Christ? Oh, here, here you got to hear this last word. It's a very powerful word. Does my life reflect the love of Christ to everybody? It's easy to love people who love you back. It's easy to love people who behave. It's easy to love people who, you know, are all smiles. All right. How about that person at work that gets on your last nerve? Are you loving them? How about that person that you've had conflict with? Are you loving them? Well, they were wrong. That wasn't the question. Are you loving them? Are you loving people that irritate you? I know, now, I know y'all are all holy and there's nobody that irritates y'all. My wife asked me a question yesterday. Because, <laughs> we, we, y'all, we had a long week. And, and I was probably... Is snippy a good word? Snarky. Snarky. And she said, Do I get on your nerves... That's sort of like, do these pants make me look fat? You can't, you can't answer that question. <laughs> the truth is, we got to love everybody. And y'all, especially if you want to seat at that table. Because listen, Jesus didn't agree with everybody. And he called people out on their sin. And, and, and he busted people's chops for their antiquated religion. But he loved everybody he met. Number five. Am I praying? See, before we, we go to this, am, am I is God going to give me everything I want? Like, like verse 7 said. Are, are you even bothering to talk to Him? Because here's what I've learned, and maybe, maybe you found the same thing. The, the more I talk to Jesus, the more my prayer reflects His will and purpose and plan in my life. And the less I'm talking about, I want to lose 40 pounds overnight and you know, get a new truck. Does that make sense? The more I talk to him, the more my conversation with him reflects who he is. And it, and it looks more like him than, and less like me. Yeah. And lastly, am I praying like Jesus prayed? 
He said, if you remain in me, listen, please don't miss this part, and my words remain in you. Y'all, this is, this is exactly why we, we've been doing this 40 days in the Word. I, my heart as your pastor, please, please hear this, is that if, if, if I were to fall off the face of the earth, You've learned something over these last 40 days that will help you dig into God's Word for yourself. For yourself. Donna, come. Thank you. And no, baby, you don't get on my nerves. I love you. <laughs> Bow your heads with me. I really struggled as to, as to how to end this service today, so I... I think, you know, I force you to look at a lot of questions today. So I'm just going to leave you this, just one. So nobody looking around, I'm just going to ask you one question. Do you want a seat at the table? Do you want to be counted among those that are following Jesus closely? Not because what he can do. Not because of the miracle in the meal. But because you are convinced that he is everything he claimed to be. He is Lord and he is God. And if that's you this morning. See, maybe you're here and that's, that's been your heart's desire for a long time. Well, I want you to reaffirm that when, when we pray. Or maybe you're here and you'd say, Dwayne, I'm... Man, I'm, that's not me. But I want it to be. I want to follow Jesus closely. Today. <laughs> so it starts with a covenant today. And, and what we're going to do together. And I'm not going to give you the prayer. You're going to pray it for yourself. God, today. I'm going to follow you more closely than I ever have. And then you're going to start doing the things we've been talking about. Opening up his word. Talking to him on a regular basis. You're going to stay connected to the community of faith. Man, you guys come to that Bible study Thursday night. So I'm going to challenge you to pray a prayer just like that. Lord, I want to be more committed. I want to be, I want to follow you more closely than I ever have. And be committed to your word. Committed to spending time with you every day in prayer. Can we pray that together? Father, in Jesus' name. <laughs> I want a seat at that table. Lord, I want to follow you more closely today than I ever have. I want to say yes to you more often and yes to me less often. I want you to increase so that I would decrease. I want to follow you so closely that when people see me, they see you. So God, I make a covenant with you today. I'll follow you closer than ever before.
I want a seat at the table. Not so I can brag and boast, but so I can sit at your feet. Lay back against you and breathe. Feel your heartbeat. God, I pray for those in this room that are making a similar covenant. God, that you do what you promised you'd do and by the power of your Spirit that dwells within them, lead and guide and direct and strengthen, empower, so that we, as individuals and as a church, as the body of Christ, can continue on this planet what you started until the day you return. And yes, God, we are anxiously awaiting your return. But we want to be ready. We want to build your kingdom and not ours. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. In the quietness of this moment, here's what I want you to do. Just find a way to worship the Lord. That might be a thank you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the cross and we thank you for the hope that it brings. We love you, Lord. Hey, I wonder if you could just offer the Lord an ovation of praise for his goodness. Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you so much for being here. Have a great afternoon. See you Wednesday for Growth Group. Man, Thursday night Bible study. Can't wait to see you. God bless.